People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I love that last week we spent probably a solid 10 minutes talking about how on board we are for this Austin Butler Elvis role play. And now we can come into the episode having seen the movie. Wait, by the way, forget role play. You cannot convince me that Austin Butler isn't Elvis. Julie, he was phenomenal, was he not? Like, I know we saw the movie separately, so we haven't even discussed our own individual experiences because I walked out of there and I was like, holy shit. He's a movie star. He is my Elvis. Nothing but (laughs) respect for my Elvis. I think it was after the Met Gala when I had said, you know, I never really got the full Austin Butler appeal. And then I see him on the Met Gala red carpet and I'm like, you know what? This makes sense to me. Forget I ever said that because walking out of this movie is when I was like, wow, this guy really is a movie star and he's earning that title. And we're watching it. I mean, this is going to change the trajectory of his career, of his life. Like This will be the role that forever cemented him as very respectable in Hollywood. Well, it's funny that you say that because that was the conversation that I had had separately when I left the movie after seeing it, where I was like, this is going to catapult his career. And I was thinking so much about John Stamos. And I was like, that man's entire career would have been different had this movie come out 30 years ago. Honestly, such a great point. Would you like to explain that for anybody that may be confused? Yeah, like... John Stamos is also somebody who's like taken on kind of role-playing Elvis, but like not method acting, just like that's who he is as a person. And if you ever watched Full House, half of that show was dedicated to his obsession with Elvis. It was almost like an eight-year audition for a movie that was made 20 to 30 years too late. But I think that had John Stamos been cast as Elvis in this type of a movie, it would have changed the trajectory of his career. He would have been far more of a movie star than we see him as. And that's what this is going to do for Austin Butler. No, it is an excellent point. And I completely agree with that. I mean, first of all, Austin devoted three years of his life to really becoming Elvis in every sense of the word. But also you can see he has a real understanding of how big of a deal this is in terms of you know, Elvis being an entertainment, a showbiz icon. And so as a fellow actor, I think aside from the fact that he wanted to put on a great performance, he really internalized almost the power that this role held in more of like a historical context. It's funny, like I walked out of that movie and I was like, this reinvigorated the movie going experience for me. Like so much of what we see in movies 
is now streaming. And that's so great a lot of the time to just be able to access a movie, to sit down, watch a movie with your family. Like it is so easy. Going to see this movie reminded me of the movie going experience. Like it reminded me of how special it is to walk into a theater and have a giant tub of popcorn and sit down and watch a really fucking long film at the movie theater. Yes, And that's coming from me. I was just saying on last week's episode, give me any sort of film in an hour, make it digestible. And that's kind of more my speed. This is a two hour and 39 minute movie. And for me to go and feel so excited to be sitting there to get that popcorn buttered to the gills, to fill that cup up with ice, the Diet Coke and that amazing machine with a little bit of cherry, a little bit of vanilla. I strapped in, I was just exhilarated. Like I enjoyed that experience from top to bottom and In the words of Nicole Kidman, this is why we come to the movies. We come to this place for magic. The memification of Nicole Kidman made for a more enjoyable movie experience for me. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Moving on to the actual movie for a second. Well, first things first, Austin Butler as Elvis or not as Elvis, very sexy. Extremely. I get it. Like I like that was one of my biggest takeaways was like I get why girls went crazy for Elvis because I felt like I was going crazy for Austin Butler. 
Yes. And if you guys watched the movie, you saw, I mean, Elvis was really the first time that it awakened this reaction from a female audience of like, holy shit, we are so attracted to this guy that is almost an orgasmic feeling. And to watch the fear that that was met with is quite fascinating. I can't even explain to you how many opinions I have both on the movie in general, but like it's more than just the movie in general. It's like in every single thing surrounding this movie, like, and my biggest one is, why has Austin Butler not done like one night only as Elvis? Like at a live concert. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this because you said this to me before you even saw the movie. Well, I've, I've, I really like truly believe that he should be going on tour as Elvis. And I know that if this was 12 years ago, he would be almost like how you used to get to go to see like the American Idol tour or the high school musical tour or the Glee tour. But I understand that's a ridiculous ask. One night as Elvis is genius. I'm sorry. I would die to see it. And it could be done in Vegas. One night I could absolutely get on board with. I think anything more than that, that would be almost consistent could be seen as kind of cheapening the role. Yeah. And I can understand that. And because he put so much work into nailing that one performance that then you go on tour and it kind of, it dilutes it. I guess for me, it's just like, I can't accept a scenario in which Austin Butler isn't actually Elvis that like, it doesn't matter to me. Like to me, it wouldn't cheapen the movie because it would just be Elvis going on tour. Here's the thing about this movie that you really will understand once you go to see it. Yes, of course, it's based on his life. So it's not like anything is happening that you weren't necessarily aware of. But the way that it's shot has so much fun to it that you really do feel like you are immersing yourself in an experience where even if you didn't take an edible, you're looking to the person next to you and being like, are we high? I do think that Austin Butler and Priscilla Presley could date. (laughs) I told you, I can't stop having opinions about this movie. I can't stop thinking about it in like the most extreme possible way. Like I want Elvis Presley and Priscilla Presley to date. And by Elvis Presley, I mean Austin Butler. (laughs) I just got so, so thrown off. Could you imagine Kaya Gerber gets broken up with for Priscilla Presley? Like the whole time, everyone was always like, I just, I want Vanessa Hudgens and Austin Butler to get back together. And like, yeah, believe me, I want that too. But like, not as badly as I want this whole role to come so full circle that he dates Priscilla Presley. Can we talk about the Vanessa Hudgens of it all for a second? I thought you would never ask. (laughs) Okay. I know that they dated for a very long time. It was 2011 to 2020. And when they broke up, that was shocking. I mean, do you remember people were floored by that breakup? I was floored by it. Right. I didn't follow the relationship closely, but obviously I was very aware that they were a couple that was seemingly going to get married. I never fully had an understanding of him. I always followed her very closely, but I never really, like I said, got the Austin Butler thing. After watching this movie, I get them as a couple so much more because in a very, very different way, there is something iconic about Vanessa Hutchins. Like at the very least, like her or hate her, you know her. She's just everywhere. And she has this way about her where even in her most bizarre moments, they're somehow able to go viral in a way that isn't necessarily hated. And I feel like for this moment in Austin Butler's career, him walking the red carpets with Vanessa Hutchins would just do something on a pop culture level. I was heartbroken when they broke up. Also, like, it's very clear when you look at the timeline of events here and the way that Austin Butler committed himself to this movie that that was the cause of the breakup. Well, what's so interesting about that is how full circle it is because, yeah, you can probably infer that his devotion and commitment to the role was probably a catalyst for their breakup, not to say there weren't other things. But when they were together, they were in the car, Blue Christmas comes on, he starts singing it, and she was like, holy shit, 
you have to play Elvis. And then when it was announced in July, 2019, they were still together and she was co-hosting live with Kelly and Ryan with Ryan Seacrest. And she told that story about how we were in the car together. The song came on. I said to him, you have to play Elvis. And so it's so kind of fitting that he got that role. And then when he was interviewed with Vogue, which was April of this year, he was telling that same story, but he said, I was in the car with a friend. The only reason we knew the friend he was talking about was Vanessa Hudgens because she told the story in 2019 on live with Kelly and Ryan. You know, it's such a funny, small anecdote to the entire Austin Butler, Vanessa Hudgens relationship is that the closest person, so it seems in Austin Butler's life, like platonically friend wise, is Ashley Tisdale. Yes. And they are very supportive of each other because they go back a long way from the Disney Channel days. Right. And it was just like, I I wonder if that I don't think it put any strain on Ashley Tisdale and Vanessa Hudgens' relationship, but I almost wonder if they were closer because of that. Like if Austin was the link between the two of them rather than Vanessa Hudgens being the link between Austin Butler and Ashley Tisdale. No, I don't think that Vanessa was the link. I think that Ashley and Austin have been close for a while, continue to be close. And if anything, it seemed like their breakup was amicable enough that there would never be an issue with you know Ashley continuing to hang out with him after the fact. Right. I guess what I mean more is like, if you were to look at them while Austin and Vanessa were dating and you were to look at the three of them hanging out, let's say, I think that you would either assume if you didn't know anything that Vanessa was the link or you would assume it was just like a really like even friendship between the three. I almost feel like Austin Butler was the link in terms of Ashley and Vanessa Hudgens becoming closer. So I don't know enough about the ins and outs of Vanessa and Ashley's friendship to know if this was ever the case. Like for all I know, they could, could have been smooth sailing. But I do know that for a lot of Disney Channel stars, specifically those that got famous early on, there were strained friendships or relationships solely because of Disney Channel. Like the work environment didn't necessarily breed friendships and a lot of the time because people were pitted against each other. I'm not saying that was the case here. I know they had very different roles, but I do wonder if at any point in their history that you know arose. Yeah, it is an interesting thought. I'm always cheering for Disney stars making it big. Like, I I feel like there's no greater accomplishment in my eyes when you start out on that level and you do what Austin Butler just did. Like, it's to be taken seriously after coming from a beginning like that is, I don't want to say it makes it more difficult, but I think that you have to work harder to be taken seriously. Obviously, a lot of doors are open for you and that can't be discounted, but I think you get put into a box when you start off your career like that. And I think that Austin Butler was very clearly able to move out of that box for good reason. And this is kind of the thing that like cemented him on the other side of it. Well, I think that aside from the fact that in the public size, maybe you were never taken that seriously. I think a lot of the times it's more of an internal thing because on some level you put yourself in that box. So you feel like you're always needing to fight a little bit harder in order to be taken seriously, even if at times that's not the reality. Right. It's like very layered. Like I I honestly, like I was thinking about this with Harry Styles where I was like, the fact that Harry Styles was in One Direction is underratedly crazy. Like for what he has become and for what he has done and the way he is viewed as such a megastar, for him to have started in a boy band, it's a crazy journey. It really is. Like when you look at Justin Timberlake, you can believe that he was in a boy band. When you look at Harry Styles, you think of him as somebody who just came up on his own and rose to fame. Well, it's not so dissimilar from Drake being in Degrassi. Well, you know, that's my favorite thing in the world. 
but that's what I'm saying. Like there are, we should do an episode on just things like that. Not even that people wouldn't know about. A lot of them are very obvious and very well known, but just kind of the trajectory and how certain people were able to completely shed that previous image to the point where a lot of people that are just becoming familiar with them now would never really know or think to look back at that history. Whereas other people cannot shake it for the life of them. They are always going to have that identity. And for some people, it's actually been beneficial because they've been able to really capitalize on that nostalgia. But I think there are so many specific elements that factor into whether a person can or cannot break from that. A lot of it is who co-signs for them. Like, I don't know if Drake would have become Drake. And I don't know if Drake thinks he would have become Drake if Lil Wayne didn't co-sign him because it gave him like the credit to be able to be a rapper. And it's kind of similar with like Ariana Grande. Like Ariana Grande was victorious and then Nicki Minaj co-signed her and she was able to become Ariana Grande. Like those stories are so fascinating to me because it's like, I think that people think that it always follows the same formula and it's like, okay, you start off doing this and then you become famous. And a lot of times it's a real hindrance to that big fame. Like Miley Cyrus is somebody to me where like, she really fought for that. And she really, really had to like, scratch and claw her way out of that reputation. And for some people, it just happens so naturally. Well, I think that with Miley also part of her journey, there was like a massive overcorrection that took place kind of in her wrecking ball era where she really went in the opposite direction, almost as an act of rebellion. And I think to end up where she's ended up in a way that she's taken so seriously by, I would say, the masses is, is a major win for her. I mean, these are so different because you cannot even compare the talent. But look at Zendaya and Bella Thorne. They were on the same show. Look at the trajectory of their careers. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Zendaya is the absolute perfect example of that. When you look at Zendaya, you have to be reminded. You have to be reminded of that beginning because it is so outlandish to even think about. But also like- I know. When you think about that then, it's like, that's what TikTok is now. Like the, that's the jumping point. And it's so funny to me that people are always like discounting TikTok celebrities because they're like, oh, they're just TikTok celebrities. But like, I, you always hear this, like when a TikTok celebrity puts out a song, it's like, oh, everyone just wants to be a singer now. Like, no, they, they joined the app to put their name out so that it would lead to this road. Right, of course. I mean, I say that with Nessa Barrett all the time. I think she's becoming a serious mainstream artist. Same with Jaden. And by the way, talk about the co-signing thing. If it wasn't for Travis Barker in a lot of these cases, really co-signing these kids, who knows how seriously they would be taken. Right, right. I mean, even with even with Dixie, it's, it's different, but Big Time Rush, and I think she would have gotten there regardless. Big Time Rush gave her the shot at being the opener on tour, and look at where that's taken her. She just played Madison Square Garden like two times, I think, in the last month. Can I tell and you what's that crazy was- about that? I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I tell yeah. you what's crazy? Because we've never spoken about this. I, I never understood that move because to me, Dixie is bigger than Big Time Rush. Okay, so- Personally, I feel the exact same way. I've come to learn from TikTok that there is a massive Big Time Rush fan base that I personally was unaware of. It's like, to me, Big Time Rush is like when Ali and AJ tried to make a comeback because they got a little big on TikTok, which is like, fine, good for you. You capitalize on that shit all day. I will never, never, never not respect like the hustle or the, any of it. But to me, that's what Big Time Rush is. Like it's, Something that we grew up with that got a resurgence on TikTok and took it a little too seriously. But Dixie's like somebody who, it may sound crazy to some people, but like she's going to make a real career for herself. Yeah, but I think also, 
because even if even if we want to go down the path that we're in agreement with what you just said that she could do it, I think there's something to be said for not wanting to do it that big the first time around. Like think about how cool it is that she's able to have these experiences. She's able to see what it's like and how it feels to perform in front of these massive crowds. Yet not all of the pressure is on her. She can really kind of fine tune that skill set when she does do it. She's in a much more elevated and kind of evolved place to do so. I agree with you, but I actually think that it was a strategic move. Interesting. I mean, the D'Amelio family, the sky is the limit. Now that Charlie is legitimately dating Landon Barker, or so it seems, we are not prepared for what's about to happen. I'm telling you right now, like they are going so mainstream. I think so too. And it's actually crazy because I think, I I know you're going to think I'm wrong. I think Dixie is going to be bigger than Charlie. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think it depends how you define bigger. It will be interesting to see where they go. It will be. I'm enjoying watching their journey. It seems like, I guess what it seems like is the dust has kind of settled on the D'Amelio family. And that's not to say that they're not big. It's just to say that that initial hype, which was obviously not sustainable, has kind of settled a little bit. And so this is really the time where you see them making those big moves and what's going to be next. And it's just, Dixie's path in terms of what's next is obviously more clear than what Charlie's is going to be, but they have a whole life to figure it out. So it'll, it will, it'll be so interesting. And I don't know if you saw this and I'm sure we'll get into this soon with Michael Rubin's white party, but I believe that Landon was there with Charlie. I know we were going to talk about this at the end, but let's just get into it now. So for anybody who doesn't know, Michael Rubin is CEO of Fanatics. He was also part owner of the 76ers. I believe he recently sold his share. And every year he has this massive white party for July 4th. Everyone wears white. It's at his $50 million Hamptons estate and it's ridiculous. So this year, just to name some of the attendees, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kendall Jenner, Devin Booker, Drake, who performed, Travis Scott, who performed, Emily Ratajkowski, We have the TikTokers like the D'Amelio family and Noah Beck and Markel Washington. There's Diplo, Quavo, Kardashian adjacency and Zach Bia, Stoss, the sports scene, you know, Robert Kraft, a lot of athletes. I mean, it, it really spans the spectrum in terms of the variety of people that are invited to this. And I find, and t- please tell me what you think about this. I think this is one of those parties where celebrities really let loose in a way that they don't typically when things are being documented. Like we get a lot of content for something that does feel intimate, even though it's so large. Yes. And I think that also one of the reasons that it feels that way is because it's not often that you get a celebrity house party. You know what I mean? Like you always hear about these parties, like, uh, you know, Drake hosts a lot of parties and Zach Bia DJs at this person's house. But like you obviously don't get the insight to it because it's treated like a private celebrity house party. This is treated like this massive event that also operates like a house party. And that's why it's interesting when you get something like a Devin Booker and Kendall being there together because it's like, oh, I'm getting tea at this house party. Like, oh, it's it, like... It feels like high school on the grandest scale, which is always the comparison that we make to Hollywood, where it's like, this is the purest representation of that because it's all of these different groups coming together. It's like the big end of the year party, where it's like, it didn't matter what group you were in high school, everybody gets invited. It's important though. I know we're operating under the expectation that everyone listening to this has viewed the content. I really do think a lot of people haven't because even though it's so star-studded, it randomly isn't kind of niche because a lot of the content is coming from more of like the charnesses of the world. I would highly recommend doing a quick little Michael Rubin 4th of July party search and you will see what we mean. I'll try to put some links in if the stories are still up, but it's a thing. And if you look at 
parties from years past, you will see it is really, really a thing. But going back to the D'Amelio of it all for a second, I'm not to say she was definitely there with Landon, but it feels pretty probable. Yeah, I mean, that was my impression of it, for sure. And so now, Landon and Kendall, technically what, Kendall is his like step-aunt? Yeah, his (laughs) step-aunt. Obviously, they're family. They're there together. So by default, Charlie at some point in the night is hanging out with Kendall, which is why I'm telling you all roads lead to the D'Amelios being at the Kardashian Christmas. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. I want to talk about Olivia O'Brien and Pete Davidson. I know kind of niche, although not really, but I we have not discussed this, you and I, and I want to get into it. I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay, so for anyone unfamiliar with Olivia O'Brien, she's a singer. One of her most famous songs is Jocelyn, which I feel like you've probably heard. And she's also very close friends with Stoss in that whole group. So kind of like an influencer slash singer. And she was recently on the BFFs podcast hosted by Josh Richards, Brianna Chicken Fry, and Dave Portnoy. And they have various celebrities, TikTokers, influencers on, and they kind of just ask them the questions everyone wants to know. And so Olivia's sitting there and there was a tip months ago, way before Kim and Pete, that Dumois had posted that said, I have it on good authority that Pete Davidson and Phoebe Denevar are in fact an item. He ended things with B-list pop star slash influencer he'd been seeing beforehand for Phoebe. So they read this tip to her and they say, you know, you were apparently the B-list singer slash influencer that they were talking about. Let's talk about Pete Davidson. I'm going to put the link in the description because this is a video podcast. So you see her face is in full shock when they say this. And she really was like, how do you guys know about this? Like, I thought nobody had any idea. This was crazy. This was crazy. She was basically saying, you know, 
yeah, I, I was kind of hooking up with Pete. That is true. He's a really great guy, but she had no idea that this was at all public knowledge. And she's like, wait, it doesn't even say my name there. How did you know that it's me? And they were kind of saying, listen, we're not like investigative journalists. If we're saying this, clearly it's out there. And there had been the rumors about you and Pete. So that's not even really the crazy part because yes, it's true. We got confirmation that I guess Olivia O'Brien and Pete Davidson were apparently hooking up. What's crazy about this is that later... Pete, via his rep, denies the rumors with a statement to Us Weekly saying there's no truth to this. They were friends and hung out one time. And she then posted a story that said, news outlets are taking things I said in an interview after being asked a very specific question way out of context. I never claimed to date anyone. Stop trying to start weird drama over me texting someone two years ago. Jesus Christ. Which... If I'm her, I totally get it because here she goes in this podcast, they hyper fixate on this one question, make it seem like she had been talking about dating Pete extensively, which she didn't. She was using the term, I guess, dating and hooking up or have hooked up almost interchangeably. And it really spiraled into this thing that became bigger than she clearly wanted. I don't know if this is right. I didn't like that Pete came out with a statement. No, I'm on your page. It felt very off-brand, especially because she wasn't saying anything defamatory. She was like, he was a really sweet guy. We hung out a little bit. She did not make it into this bigger thing than it was. And uh, I don't know if this is right to say. I mean, I say this as a literal Kim Kardashian stan. I just wonder if he would have made this statement if he wasn't dating her. Not saying Kim told him to, but I just wonder if that factored into the decision at all. Right. So my thing with it was that he was clearly responding to the news circulation of the story rather than what she was specifically saying. And I understand the need to want to respond because one of the things that was said when they were reading the Dumois tip was like, she felt like they were talking so much that she couldn't possibly imagine him talking to anybody else. And then he texted her and was like, sorry, I can't, I'm seeing somebody. And so that almost made him look bad. Like he was talking to so many girls at once and he was playing them. So I could understand the need to want to clarify, like, no, we weren't dating. Like when I got into a relationship with Phoebe, like I was completely single. Like I can understand that. The statement via a rep was so short and so nondescriptive that to me, when I read that, it made it seem like he was denying dating her because it was her rather than denying dating her because of what the story had become. And to me, it's like, maybe you weren't, quote, dating. If you were talking and you hung out with somebody, even if it was once, don't embarrass them. Just let them say what they need to say. That's exactly how I felt, but especially because she did not bring it on herself. She was literally on this podcast. She knows what she signed up for when she does the BFS podcast. They're not cutting anything. It's, you know, like it was a very raw interview. She was asked the question and she answered, honestly, she said nothing but kind things about him. It's so not a big deal. Like none of this is a big deal at all. But I was really surprised he said that because to me, it just felt like water under the bridge. And if he never addressed it, it would have died out even sooner. Exactly. I'll put it like this. I don't think anyone's takeaway from that was, wow, Pete Davidson is really a dick that he was potentially texting Phoebe Jennifer and Olivia O'Brien at the same time. Clearly, every woman he's been involved with in the past has nothing but kind things to say about him. They're not all of a sudden now going to start. Like it was just, it was so minor. It was, it was really quite, um, quite interesting. I, I, I agree with you. But you know what else was really interesting to me, which is entirely besides the point, but a connection that I made? When, the Stoss Kim thing? No. When Stoss, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say when Stoss made one of the most epic videos that's ever been made, which was the calling prank, and it had the greatest roster of 
celebrities that you've ever seen, literally better than Michael Rubin's white party, one of the people that she had called in the prank was Pete Davidson. And we were always like, what's the connection there? Like, since when are Stas and Pete friends in any sort of a way? And now that Olivia O'Brien connection being just a couple months prior to that, to me, makes that make sense. It does make it make sense. And you know what's really funny about that? What? It's not the same, obviously, because Kendall and Fi are not dating. But remember that episode when Kendall was pissed because Courtney was hanging out with, like, quote, Kendall's friends more than her friends? Yes. It's, it's again, totally different. But it's one of those situations where technically if Stoss and Kylie are at some family gathering, like Stoss and Pete would be hanging out in a, in a non-weird way. But do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Like Kim, in a way, is almost the outcast. Right, because like there was like a friendship that existed beforehand. Right, like there was this friend group that I'm not saying Pete was at all a part of, but clearly he was familiar with and they're much more, like quote, age appropriate. It's just, it's very funny and it's a kind of a, a strange overlap. Like those are the Venn diagrams that I don't consider to be niche. But then when I hear myself say it, I'm like, I guess that is kind of niche. Like if you're, if you're understanding or interest in this stuff is more top level. Right. I was trying to explain Olivia O'Brien to somebody this weekend because they actually didn't know when they were asking out the story. And I was like, you know, Olivia O'Brien who wrote Jocelyn for Logan Paul, who cheated on her with Josie Canseco. And they were like, that's below my pay grade. They were like, that's not for me. And I was like, really? Because to me, that seems like perfectly normal. To me, that seems like if you don't care about that, you also probably don't care about the depth of the friendship between Noah Beck and Markel Washington or what's going on with Blake Gray and Amelie. And and we just, we can't really see eye to eye then. And if you don't care about that, you don't care about me. Right. You know what, Julie? Exactly. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. 
Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I want to briefly discuss this very bizarre rumor that was circulating, which I know we never really talk about blinds, but we got it submitted so many times and it was already proven to be not true that I think it's almost just fun to kind of talk about it in a more fantasy way. So as you all know, Leonardo DiCaprio has been dating his girlfriend, Camilla Marone, for a while now. And recently there was a Dumois tip that said, spotted Gigi Hadid and Leonardo DiCaprio partying close together at the Net, formerly known as the Nomad Hotel. So it started to get people thinking that Camilla and Leo had broken up. That was then put to bed when there were paparazzi photos of him and Camilla spending July 4th weekend together in Malibu, actually with Tobey Maguire. But just like a weird coupling of Gigi Hadid and Leo, which was clearly not accurate, that I would never have anticipated. I, the origin of this rumor really took me by surprise because I felt like when I first heard it, we weren't paying attention to it because I had never even heard or we had never even heard that him and Camilla had broken up. And so all of a sudden he was dating Gigi and I was like, this has absolutely no merit. And then it kind of took on a life of its own until the pictures of him and Camilla had come out. But if you're going to trace back the origin of where this rumor started, I don't know about how Gigi got thrown into the mix. I guess they've been seen a little bit together, but that wouldn't surprise me that they're at the same events. The origin of this rumor is really that Camilla turned 25. I know, which is like so, it's so crazy that that has become normalized in a way where it's not even questioned. Like it has been so consistent with Leo's pattern of like genuinely stopping dating girls once they become 25, that it what started as almost like a funny bit has actually turned into like a very legitimate barometer as about whether or not he's going to be with someone. And it's certainly not a reputation worth bragging about, but it is funny when you say barometer, because it's true, because I think everyone was like, oh, this was the ultimate test for him and Camilla. Like they make it past her turning 25, which is just like the weirdest, most bizarre thing to even say. But like, that is a conversation that's happening. No, it's a very legitimate conversation that's happening, which, you know, it's at this point so mainstream and it has been made the joke at at so many award shows that I wonder if that's something that him and her have ever spoken about. They almost have to. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. Oh, I'm sure they have. Wait, speaking of, did you see the photos from this weekend of Scott Disick partying with Abby Weatherington, who's Jake Paul's ex? Of course I did. If I'm not mistaken, Abby is very much a part of like the Tana Mojo crew, which I'm shocked we haven't been in a situation yet where Tana is posting stories and Scott Disick is like in the background, which feels like both something that would definitely happen is probably has happened. And then at the same time, you remember Scott's a Kardashian. Like there's no way that happened. It's crazy. He like takes on this influencer lifestyle because of the fact that he dates women that are so much younger than him. Meanwhile, you forget that like he could very easily be coming straight from Kris Jenner's house to a party in West Hollywood. Well, that's the thing. Like, if he leaned into the Kardashian of it all in terms of his dating life, he would be in a much different situation, but he doesn't. And, you know, I almost feel like I could talk about Scott's dating life for forever and and all of the ways that he's currently fucking it up, but I almost feel like whether it's consciously or subconsciously, he is setting every woman up in his life to be like, 
the girl that does it. You know what I mean? Like I'm the girl that got Scott Disick to settle down or like I'm the girl that got Scott Disick over Courtney. It's a very narcissistic approach to dating because it's almost like, don't be so full of yourself. Like no one cares that much about whether or not you get over Courtney. But I almost feel like that's his continued mentality. I don't even necessarily think that's his perspective because as he's voiced, he's not really ready for the next step at this moment. I think what's more so interesting is that for your average person, even if they're dating a celebrity and they're familiar with their kind of dating history, they don't know the ins and outs of their emotional journey about that dating history until they tell them about it. With Scott, he's almost at a disadvantage or an advantage, depending on the way you look at it, because any woman that he's getting involved with has a very clear understanding of where he's at or where he's been at most recently on the show, emotionally, as it applies to Courtney and where he's at in his life. So I don't think you can make the generalization that every woman gets on board and is like, I'm going to change him. I think some women want to have fun in the exact same way that he wants to have fun. But it would make a lot more sense if that was their approach going in because they are privy to information that they wouldn't be privy with if he wasn't on the most famous reality show in the world. And that's exactly it. I don't think, I don't think that he is seeking out women and saying like, okay, this is, this is the girl. Like, I want this to be it. Like, I don't think that he is setting those women up for success. I think he is setting them up by, for failure. And then part of the draw for them is feeling that way. Like, I don't think that you date Scott Disick seriously in any sort of a way where you're like, this is the guy that I want to be in a real relationship with. If the goal in your head isn't like, oh, I can change him or, oh, I can be that person for him. Okay, you're saying dating seriously. Yes, I can get on board with that because I definitely think there's a very large population of women that honestly have the same mindset as him of, hey, fuck it, I just want to have fun. Like that has really been stereotyped as a male thing. And I'm not saying that in some ways that's not more the norm in heterosexual relationships or the start of them. But like women can very much play that game as well of, you know, like, fuck it, I just, I want to have some fun. And I think that on some level, he surrounds himself in the more casual settings with people that are down for that. Oh, if you're looking for a good time, look no further than Scott Disick. I 100% believe that. Again, we enter this whole conversation and it's all under the guise of like, I'm a self-admitted Scott Disick apologist. I think he is the most fun person in the room and I've never even been in that room. And so if you are somebody who's like, I kind of just want to fuck around and get a little cloud and have fun with the guy who I do think is a nice guy, Scott's the guy for you. If you are somebody that's like, I kind of want to date Scott Disick, I'm like I can do that. Like I'm going to make, I, I'm going to be the girl that gets Scott Disick over Kourtney Kardashian. Like I'm going to save him. And I think that a lot of women entering relationships, like whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, and not just like romantic relationships, like some people just have that trait in them, you a little bit. It's just like, oh, I want to fix them. Like it's like a little project. Yeah, I definitely think that there can be truth to that. The unique part of this here is that a lot of times you enter into a situation with someone and you don't even realize that there's someone that you necessarily want to fix until the issues start to unravel and you can pinpoint things. With Scott, because he has shown his life and his vulnerability in every aspect of his emotions on camera for the last 12, however many years it's been, you may go into it with that mindset where in a lot of relationships, you actually fall into that almost accidentally. And again, this is a generalization. I'm not saying this is the case for all of the women that Scott dates or will date, but like it's a pretty fun concept to kind of think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, by the way, in addition to wanting to have a fun time, specifically if you're trying to have a fun time in Miami with Dave Grumman, I, I can just imagine. 
Absolutely. Yeah. If you looked at this outline and told me this is how we would get, this is where we would get, I would tell you you were lying because I was, how do we start? Oh, Austin Butler and Elvis. How would you think that I was lying if I told you, Em, we're about to sit down and we're going to record a podcast and it's going to start with Austin Butler being Elvis, not Austin Butler as Elvis, Austin Butler being Elvis, and end with a discussion on Scott Disick's dating life, you would be like, yeah, that sounds par for the course. Yeah, you're right. It sounds totally par for the course. Well, I'm happy we're here. Me too. (laughs) Happy we made it. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to mention? No, I, I think we really covered it today. Yeah, I think we did as well. Okay, well, we love you guys if you're still here. I don't know how, but we're very appreciative. And we'll see you later this week for Kardashians and Bravo. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile It helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.